If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. What's up, everybody? This is Matt with Sooners 360. Welcome to episode number 15 of the 360 Recruiting Podcast. Uh, as always, we've got a lot to get to in this week's edition. So this is your friendly reminder to not miss a minute action by subscribing to the show on your favorite podcast platform of choice. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, this week, I am joined by our lead recruiting analyst over at Sooners 360, Mr. Chris Mason, and by the Sooner 55, Mr. Caleb Cummings. Guys, 2024 recruiting has started off with a bang. Uh, it took the 2023 class a good six months to get some momentum going, but we're already seeing the view of this class starting to take shape. Um before we dive in real quick, uh, the quote-unquote official signing day was today as of this recording. Uh, the 2023 class was mostly closed out by early signing day, but as we have talked about recently, uh, one last addition to the class, Taylor Heim of Bethany has signed. The uh, The athlete is expected to play defense for Brent Venables. Uh, he visited last weekend went ahead and uh, closed it down uh, on signing day. Uh, a lot of stir was caused on the board this week because uh, some pictures from his visit. Uh, he is all of 6'5". He looks wired up, and he has some huge feet. I know uh, I know. Chris uh, mentioned his clown feet, um, but that's, that's a guy that uh, has a great frame. Uh, he's very athletic. He kind of projects maybe outside linebacker, definitely a guy that you don't pass on, especially being a local kid, bring him in. Let's see uh, what we can do with him. Uh, jumping ahead a little bit to 2025. Um, again, a lot of this info will be on the board. We're just going to touch on this for a second. Uh, the class is going crazy right now. There's offers all over the place. Uh, we'll dive into that more on the board and a little bit later on in the spring um, or this month with more episodes. Um, but to dive right in to the meat of the story, the 2024 class, again, is really getting off to a great start. Uh, no new verbals yet, Chris, but that's not really a problem, is it? No, the the Brett process that we saw last year was sort of focused on getting kids on campus several times, sort of like one one premium junior day event where they were where it's highly structured and they're able to get presentations on NIL, uh, the sole mission and, and other pieces of the process. And then letting the kids come in as many times as they want and get just familiar and sort of comfortable in Norman, comfortable around the team, around the coaches, and then an official visit. And then after that official visit, um, kind of going a little bit, that's when OU really sort of starts their sales push process and tries to, to lock the kids down within a couple of weeks uh, of that time frame. Or it just depends. Sometimes the kids make announcement dates and OU will just continue to push until that announcement date. So that's what they did last year. And of course, they they couldn't bring. Obviously, they weren't a staff yet last January. Um, sorry, they, that's when they were first put together. So, what's what's I think is going to happen here is a lot of the kids that came for the January um, uh, Junior Day, which we're going to discuss in depth, have already been to Norman a couple of times. So that process is accelerated. So I think we're going to see we're going to possibly see. Um, some commitments coming up once recruiting gets going again. February is a dead period, so I'm not expecting too much to go on in terms of verbals for OU. You'll probably see some more offers. But I think overall, I think once March 1st hits, I think we may start to see some action. 
Well, you mentioned Venables' process, uh, you know, how he tackled it last year, how he tackles it this year, you know, is the structure the same? Is he going to do it a little bit differently? It seems like they're pushing these guys to get on campus earlier, not necessarily pushing them when they're on campus, but, you know, getting those relationships established a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. Now it helps uh, being on campus for more than a year at this point for, for Venables and his staff. But, um, you know, Caleb, how, how well do you think the process worked last year and how do you see it kind of evolving this year? Oh, that's a really interesting question. Uh, it's, I think I saw J.R. Sandlin put out a tweet today that from a composite ranking, Oklahoma signed the number four overall class this year, which makes it the uh, highest ranked class that the University of Oklahoma has signed in. I guess you consider what this new rankings era, right, where it's no longer, you know, Parade Magazine, uh, Prep All American, but so it's it's the highest ranked class of of the new uh, the new era at number four. So you coming off a six and seven season, you'd have to say that that the the process they put in place was an absolute home run uh, to get you know the the stars they got or potential stars rather, right? They're just five stars, uh, nothing's guaranteed, but uh, to sign three of those kids, two of them on the defensive side of the ball, and then a, then a quarterback, when I think most people thought quarterback recruiting post Lincoln Riley might fall apart, and that was a concern, is, you know, at least a home run. Maybe it was a grand slam. What I think is interesting, and I'd love to get kind of Chris what he thinks about this, it doesn't feel – it does feel like, rather, something's changed in the process because I, it feels like there are more offers going out right now at this point than there were February 1 of uh, last year. And, of course, that's probably a little bit to be expected because Venables coming on December, he was just trying to sign – you know, additional kids and fill in that class. But, you know, something that he and Thad and all those guys talked about when they came over from Clemson was they had a different focus and their, their goal was they were going to be more selective with offers. They were going to recruit less kids, just better. It wasn't going to be throw a ton of offers against the wall and see what sticks, you know, and Brent's also talked about how they've got a real focus on, they want the kids to show that they're bought in before they get an offer. They want to see the kids show up to campus. Uh, so I'm curious, like it, it does seem like there's more offers, but is that potentially because maybe there's more recruiting momentum than what we even realize? Maybe more of these kids have showed up than, you know, we've maybe paid as much attention to because you're paying attention to how 23 is going to shake out. Uh, because yeah, it, it looks like, you know, a number of positions you could roll down. Uh, where maybe they don't have verbals, but you almost start to wonder, like, God, are they going to have to tell some really good kids no here in the near future? Yeah, I just wonder, Caleb, if some of these kids came in for games and we didn't realize them because the names weren't on our radar yet, and we were so focused, sort of on the, you know, on the on the Bowen Hicks, uh, Kana, you know, great, you know, merry-go-round for about six weeks last year. So I wonder if these kids have come on campus. I also wonder if they're just there after a full year of being settled in, their contacts are better in Texas. Um, Cause it seems like there's more offers in Texas this year than last year. Yeah. I'll have to dig, dig deeper into that. Maybe have Kyle help us um, and dig deeper a little bit of that. Just get a, to get a kind of a demographic distribution of what's going on. But it does seem like there's more offers and, and more kids with committable offers does create just a little bit more pressure on everyone. I mean, absolutely. I think there's again that there's a there's a handful of positions where uh, you kind of start to wonder if one or two kids pulling the trigger does that push some others where they think, hey, you know, I, let's you know, you take like a Max Anderson, right? Does he say, gosh, you know, I've got this Oklahoma offer, my brother's there, I really want to go there, but I see all these other kids, you know, I see, you know, the interior kid from Florida got an offer, I, I see, you know, another kid in Texas gets an offer, I, you know, if I know where I'm going to go, this is where I want to go, I probably better make a decision because I run the chance, run the risk of, you know, it, it, uh, it not being there. And it's, it's interesting. Then you have the kids applying pressure rather than the coaches. Well, you mentioned uh, not really 
following some of these guys maybe the last year or two, you know, maybe they have been on campus, maybe they haven't. Um, but this past weekend, they did have a big recruiting event, and we can verify a uh, a handful of them, uh, or actually all 23 of them, we can verify. Uh, it's a great visitor group, Chris. Uh, what made it so great, and why was this weekend so significant? Well, first off, you had 23 kids, which is a really, that's a really high number for OU um, to have for their last junior day event. Um, really when 23 recruiting should be the focus, but to get this many players in and have them go through a formal junior day event where, you know, they, they get the sole mission uh, presentation NIL presentation meet with Schmitty. So they get, they, they, they got the whole song and dance, um, which is, you know, that's, that's a, a large group of players for you to be able to get that much focus and attention with, <clears throat> but just generally the, the, the quality of players that came in is is kind of staggering. Um, they had 21 four-star players. Of that 21 group, six were top 100 players, and 18 were in the top 250 composite. And the two guys that have like a three-star ranking, ne- neither one is going to stay a three-star player. They'll, they'll be four stars before the next ranking update, <clears throat> I would think. Uh, especially the linebacker, uh, Ty Anthony Smith from Jasper, who visited. But overall, man, if if OU only signed these 23 kids, uh, they'd have a top five class. So if you just, if OU just, you know, shopped from this list, they'd have a pretty complete class and a top five class. And if if this staff can kind of replicate what they did last year, identifying uh, six or seven of these guys that were ranked maybe in the the mid three stars or not even ranked at all, uh, you know, PJ Adebayore uh, was a relative recruiting unknown when Venables came through uh, and offered him and started recruiting him pretty hard, and he ended up a you know top ten five star. So. You know, already the quality's good, but you know that these coaches have made some evaluations. Uh, and speaking of coaches and evaluations, one of the position groups that has already changed overnight due to Emmett Jones is the wide receiver group. Chris, how did he already get this much talent on campus? Zion Reagans was um, is from Georgia. He's the speed receiver. Um, oh, you had sort of an existing relationship there. So was able to build upon that. So Emmett was able to build upon that. And that was pretty strong. But Zion Kearney from Missouri City, which is basically Houston. Uh, oh, you just offered him 30 days ago and was like trailing nowhere in his recruiting, really. And Emmett Jones basically got him onto campus um, just by his personal relationship with Zion uh, that, that, that he had. Uh, and then. Bryant Wesco, whose uh, sister plays soccer at OU. OU had been around Bryant quite a bit. Had The momentum had seemed to be falling a little bit. And then, you know, Emmett has a good relationship with Wesco as well. So, you know, he just really basically brought in three top 100 players at wide receiver. And um, Caleb, I don't know about you, but if, if, if OU only got these three guys, I, I think I'd be pretty ecstatic in there in their wide receiver recruiting class. Yeah. Uh, it'd be pretty, it'd be kind of shocking, I guess, in some regards, uh, Kearney. I mean, he looks like the prototypical, like what you expect from like a future top 15 pick in the NFL draft. I mean, six, three 195 pounds, just a first off the bus type wide receiver frame. I think will fill out and he's, you know, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen track times, but a guy that he kind of reminds me of physically at the same point in high school was Josh Gordon, uh, who went to a, he was more kind of Houston prop, you know, there in Houston rather than, uh, than suburb, but you know, it's that same type of just that frame where, you know, give it, give it two years and he's going to be, you know, as twitched up as, you know, as explosive, but 15 pounds heavier. Uh, maybe 15 plus is going to be in that, you know, 215, 220 pound range. Uh, and that's, I think that's something that I, you know, I'm sure 
you know, Jeff Levy wants, you know, he does, right. He wants guys that can dominate one-on-one on the outside. They want to use uh, the spacing and the scheme to force you into one-on-ones and then just feed, you know, rather than have to draw something up in the dirt, they'll be able to feed guys that can beat your guys one-on-one. Uh, and then I think you, you've mentioned this before, kind of in, in, you know, whether it's on this or on the board, but, you know, Reagan's, he's got, like, he looks, while his film, it looks like Hollywood Brown, you know, uh, that kid can just flat fly. He runs by people and, you know, uh, he plays against some really fast kids, some really good players in Georgia. And, and he runs by, you know, kind of all of them. And then, you know, Westco, it's interesting. I don't know why I, I had it in my mind. I think that he was a thicker kid than what he is, but, you know, but you look at him and he he's, you know, what, six to 108 pounds, uh, but, you know, really long, lean, he, he, watching him, uh, he has like a subtle explosiveness to him. You know, he honestly reminds me of a little bit bigger uh, D. Westbrook, you know, uh, a really good catch radius. I mean, if OU signed those three to, to back up, I know they lost uh, the kid out of Converse to Georgia late in the process. But to, to land those three kids in, in this cycle would be it'd be a home run, uh, at this point. Right. But I, like, you know, uh, uh, like Matt said there, I'm curious to kind of continue to see, do they, you know, if some evals come from the spring, uh, cause it's crazy to think we're not even really in the spring eval period yet. Uh, so, you know, it's, I don't know if Emmett is just bringing over his wide receiver list or, uh, you know, if they are kind of locked into some of these guys. Well, another position group that perhaps needs the spring eval period and and maybe into the the fall. Uh, there's a bunch of talented running backs uh, on Demarco's list. Uh, there was a handful of them on campus this past weekend. Uh, a lot of them have visited recently. <clears throat> Chris, is this turning into a little bit of a conundrum for Demarco? Well, the problem is they also offered Xavier Robinson, who's who's a big back from uh, Carl Albert and he's, he's every bit six two two twenty five. 225. Maybe in a college weight program, he's like 240 before you know what happened. And the, the funny thing is he's, he's very different than the other running backs who just visited. So <clears throat> the three running backs who visited are um, uh, Jeremiah Payne, um, Caden Durham, and uh, Peoples, um, I just forgot Peoples. James. James Peoples. Um, and they're all about 5'9 five, uh, five, to 5'11, five, 170 to 190 pounds. They are quick, fast backs. So they're very different than, than Robinson, but they're, they're all very skilled. And I'm not sure how many running backs OU takes in this group and how you differentiate between them. Um, Caleb, have you looked at the film on these guys? You, do you have a favorite? Oh God. Okay. It's difficult to go with a favorite. I will do you have say two favorites. Do you have two, I favorites? Do have two favorites? I do have two favorites. Uh, and this is not like it's, I think Jeremy Payne's a really good player. Uh, I mean, the comp I had for him just watching, I don't know if you guys remember, uh, you guys probably remember this, uh, Joseph Randall. Right. Uh, played for the Cowboys, played Oklahoma State and Triberty. You know, I think he plays for the California Penal League now. So everybody remembers him. Yeah. Uh, that's who Payne reminds me of kind of at that same point. You know, Randall was a leaner guy, but was long limbed. So he had a good frame that was going to fill out. And he was a slick runner, uh, good vision, good agility. You know, like probably nothing was just elite, but he was good in every area, had a good frame, like I mentioned, and could catch the ball and uh, that, that's who, who pain reminds me of, but like the top two for me, when, when you watch the film are, are people's and, uh, and Durham, uh, I think we, I remember who it was in one of our chats and mentioned, you know, like a comp for Durham being, uh, Michael James, and man, you see that like, um, you know, the old, you know, running back coaches, you know, slow to fast through the whole, you watch Durham's film and there's one, it's, a they run a sweep uh, to the left side and, you know, he's moving fairly quickly, but when he gets the corner and puts his foot in the ground, decides, okay, I'm going to go now. He just looks like he shot out of a cannon. 
Like he has got just absolute home run ability, but he's a smaller guy. To your point, he is, you know, five, nine, 180 pounds, but he's a well-built kid. Uh, I mean, he's got really good, I think 10, seven hundred meter track times. So the, the, the speed is really legit, uh, there. And honestly, I have people's in, in kind of that, you know, let's call it one B in, in that, in that neighborhood. Both of them averaged absolutely insane yards per carry. I mean, people's averaged 9.9 yards per carry uh, against really good comp in one of the faster growing parts of Texas. Uh, you know, and, and Durham averaged like 9.3. Uh, it's the thing with people's when I watched him, it's, it's different. Uh, he, he's not, you don't see kind of that same, like, holy crap, he's fast speed but then he runs by everybody and he doesn't really get caught very often and he outruns angles uh, and which watching him, you know, you kind of get an idea of, I think his vision is, is really good, which him being him having good vision and him being that decisive, it makes him play faster than I think what he probably tests, uh, you know, and he's just, he's really smooth. And, and you know, one of the other things I'd be interested to see, I, I really would, his frame, he's, you know, listed five, five, 10, 192 pounds, uh, pretty muscled up kid, you know, so good looking. He's got a thick lower body, right? Like really big calves, uh, just he's, he's a, you know, thicker kid. I'd be, I'm curious to know, like, you know, 192 pounds, you know, you're not that far off from what guys like, uh, you take two guys that, you know, one's in the NFL, uh, the other one's still at Ohio state, but you have Trevion Henderson. Uh, or J.K. Dobbins, both in that 5'10", 195-pound range coming out of high school. And, and, you know, both of them left Ohio State 215 pounds, or I guess Henderson's still there, and physical guys. I think sometimes, you know, I, I think I'm, what I'm trying to do here is internally is make a case for you can take Peoples and Durham both. Like if you, you know, I, I think Peoples could be, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing on tape when you watch him. He just, he runs through trash. Got great balance, uh, runs through it real well. I, you know, I if if you told me, hey, they're going to end up taking people's in Durham, I think they would, you know, they'd hit a home run and and probably a, another trip. So I think one of the interesting things is, Caleb, that's just the three guys that we have uh, that that were on campus. Um, when you factor in the fact that you have Jarrett Gibson talking about making an OU visit. And we still have Stacy Gage, um, who's now at uh, now at Thomas Aquinas in Fort Lauderdale, I believe. <laughs> uh, keeping track of it is a little hard. So you have those two national backs also in the mix. It's it's hard to understand. I think running back recruiting. I think you're right about like the pressure here. I think one kid is going to just like leap on a spot, and then it's going to be a little bit of a mad scramble. It's. It's really interesting because, you know, I've, you've seen forecasts or, you know, there are forecasts for paying to Oklahoma. I've seen there is a forecast one or two for peoples to Oklahoma. And I don't know how many people know this, you know, but but Durham is, you call him a legacy, you know, his parents play, but it's their alumni of, of Oklahoma. And I know there's an, an affinity there for, for OU, for just the Durham household. Uh, they're in a... It's a really interesting spot. I don't, I do not envy, uh, I don't envy DeMarco uh, and what they're going to do because to your point, right? Those are just, it's just those three, you know, there's, there's other backs that they've got offers to. I'm, I'm the same as you. I've been, I thought the, uh, the offer to the big kid uh, out of, out of Carl Albert was, was super interesting. It's something people have talked about for years about Oklahoma kids with OU is, uh, you know, Tennessee or uh, Vanderbilt or God, even Alabama, they can come in and they can throw an offer to that kid. They don't have to worry about committing on the spot. You know, Oklahoma, you've got to be really sure like this is a kid we want because he may come in on the spot. Yeah. And, and Xavier's film's interesting. I mean, his first clip, he has like a brutal stiff arm in it. So it's like, Okay, so you'd be a very different back, but, you know, I, I think we all thought the way Trey Sermon was used kind of as like a fourth quarter closer was kind of interesting for OU back in the day. You know, you can easily see 
you know, Xavier Robinson closing out games for you by just just brutalizing defenses that have been on the field all day. Yeah, you know, and there's another thing I've 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 I wonder about, and I maybe we talked about this and in, in other at other points uh, with scholarship limits being at 85. I think it really is difficult. I think you mentioned this, like I guess where I'm going here is. I thought it was difficult in the past for Oklahoma from a roster management perspective to offensively carry multiple scholarships. Obviously, we've got receivers, we've got offensive line, we're going to have quarterbacks, we're going to have running backs, tight ends, and then they would carry one or you know two maybe, maybe two or three at fullback. And it was like, and you became really, it really limited where you could offer. And now with the fullback role, it being, it's done, right? They're not going to carry fullbacks, you know, Trey Millard or, uh, or flowers. These guys, they're not, it's now going to be tight. You know, they're going to have tight ends. Uh, you know, do they, can they take more backs now? Will you see a, a larger running back room because of that? Uh, you know, where previously there were going to be two, two to three scholarships that were going to be not fullbacks, not anymore. Uh, it, it's going to be, you know, what it seems like Jeff Levy likes to do is one back, one tight end. Uh, and, you know, those, those scholarships are going to be going to tight ends and, and running backs. So maybe, maybe they have more flexibility. Maybe they take three. Do you think, um, do, do you think Durham and Durham and Payne have sort of some slot back kind of receiver out of the backfield? Yeah. That was, to them? Yeah. It was funny. You say that I wrote that down like with Durham watching him uh you don't see it on film uh but god watching him out you know you see what like levy does with a lot of those those flare passes to the running back it's really it's just a you know it's it's part of the run game in a lot of ways right it's it's the long handoff for a sweep but it, it's hard not to think of you know him you'd think that's exactly where you would want to get him the ball you know like he had like under 100 yards receiving for for duncanville uh, but again, he almost had 2000 rushing. So it's hard to say if it's just not a part of what they do, but at the same time, yeah, to your point, when you watch it, you think that's gotta be an area he would absolutely excel is ball in space with his, with his speed. Well, and, and one more thing to add here about the running back room, uh, Ole Miss, you know, they use running backs a lot. They're rotating those guys in and out of the game. Uh, I don't know if that's just a Kiffin thing because they definitely continued that this past season. Um, but when Levy was there, they ran three or four guys pretty consistently. So, you know, Caleb, to your point about not having a fullback or H back anymore, maybe that slot is reserved on the roster for another running back. Uh, you bring in a guy like Robinson to kind of mix it up a little bit, but you know, if if Durham and Peoples are here and, uh, you know, Hollywood is still in the backfield, all three of those guys would get touches. Um, so I I don't know. Maybe it's it is just a numbers game or we do have a little bit more wiggle room, uh, which is a far cry from some of the debates we had about Jay Bullware a few years ago and <laughs> um, where he left the running back room. Now we're sitting here talking about, you know, maybe five or six running backs out there that, Oh, you could theoretically take. Uh, there's just not enough room for that. Um, we're stay on the offensive side here. Um, we like where wide receiver looks. We like how running back looks. I think we really like how offensive line looks, Chris. Uh, what, what about this, the start for uh, Bill Biedenboe? Well, I know offensive line recruiting is kind of like a, a, a hot topic. And I know we've, we've been on this uh, podcast talking about it. And talking about Bill being able to bring in a big class, you know, bringing a class of, of, of good high school offensive linemen. So uh, he's really off to a good start this year. There were four offensive linemen uh, who came in this weekend, uh, all top 50 uh, players, uh, Liam Andrews from Massachusetts, uh, Andrew Sprague from Kansas City Rockhurst, and then Max Anderson from uh, Frisco Reedy, and the final player, Casey Poe from, uh, I believe, a small town, Lindale. Lindale, East Texas. East Texas. So um, they all fit this model of um, being around 6'5", 280, 285, 290. So, Caleb, they're all in your 
They're all in your theory of what what makes a good offensive lineman. How do you like these four this this foursome? And there was a great photo of them all lined up together. So we got to see that they're all big guys. That photo through is like got to be almost like a head fake uh, because. <laughs> so one of the first things, like you look at that photo and then you watch Max Anderson's film, you look at the photo and you think, oh gosh, he's actually smaller than I thought. Uh, he's probably, cause he's listed, you know, on, on sites, six, five, two eighty five, two ninety. But, you know, you, again, you, you see him next to Sprague uh, and, and Casey Poe, you're like, okay, he may not be that big. Then you watch his film at Frisco Reedy that, you know, I think, uh, Matt, if I'm wrong, you're out there. I think they're a six A school, uh, you know, and a good one. I mean, obviously Frisco, Frisco is growing like crazy. There's new high school there kind of every year, uh, but really good talent. And he's he's massive, right? You see him in that, and you're like, oh God, no, he looks he looks six foot five, two hundred eighty five pounds. Uh, now, I mean, he's I think he's uh, he's probably not as athletic as his brother, definitely not. Rather, uh, but man, you know, you see a really well-coached kid plays guard and tackle uh, under control at all times. Maybe not the most explosive violent through his hips or with his hands, but, you know, latches on and finishes people, you know, got a lot of, I kind of looked at like similar to me, honestly, in a lot of ways has been powers. Uh, that's, it's kind of a, a comp I had, you know, there, you know, obviously got to continue to develop and get, would have need to get stronger, but, you know, would be in that, in that area. Uh, with Poe, you know, that kid out of East Texas, he's, he's super interesting because I'm tell me if I'm wrong here, uh, Chris, I think Oklahoma was his first collegiate offer. He camped there in that right. Like wasn't on anybody's radar goes to Norman camps, Bill and him hit it off. And I think he was, his very first offer was OU. Yeah, he was, he was like one of the camp stars last year. Um, you know, obviously we owe you, Signed one of the camp stars in Tenyon Brown, right? He showed up, blew everyone away. Uh, Casey Poe was one of the juniors who blew up, along with the uh, the, the defensive end twins from Florida, who are could probably be back on campus at some point. Uh, Ty Clean. Um, they, have, they, have, they have very interesting first names, um, combination twins names. Um, but, yeah, Poe was one of those guys that just showed up played fantastic, got an OU offer. So he's one of those guys where the process has been maybe accelerated. So maybe Poe doesn't drag this out that far. But the the, the negative side is everybody else in college football has realized who Poe is, and he's now got lots of offers. Yeah, no, I, I looked at his social media uh, online, or maybe it was just Lindell's actually, Lindell High School social media, to your point. When things opened back up in uh, in January, it was it was everybody, right? It was it was Nick Saban, Kirby Smart. It's you know LSU's in there, you know A and M, everybody and their dog, Clemson. They're all they see it. Uh, I don't know how he's ranked as a three star on some services. I think he's one of the better offensive guards this cycle. Uh, there's some kids that got on there that are you know that don't really make sense being ranked above him. Uh, some kids that are 380 pounds. Uh, you know, that are six, one and a half. It's kind of shocking, but I mean, you watch him and it's kind of everything you want. I mean, it's uh, he's well-built long lean, doesn't carry any bad weight moves extremely well. He's kind of always under control, good balance, core strength. Obviously you're going to be a guy that just continues to get stronger, uh, you know, but you know, kind of one of Barry's uh, theories as well about, you know, throwers guys that compete in track being, you know, there's a correlation to them kind of coming over and doing, you know, doing well. He's he was a state champion in shot put as a as a sophomore. I, I it, you know, fingers crossed that would be. I think it would be a home run for Oklahoma, and it seems like he would fit in really well with with uh, you know guys like Jake Taylor, Jacob Sexton. They seem like a lot of kind of cut from that same claw kids that you know like to hunt and fish and just uh you know and and then bury people on the football field. Uh, he, he really fits that. And, you know, I will say of that entire group, the one kid I, I really do. So I'll cover Sprague and, and, and Liam Andrews. Uh, 
So Sprague, he reminds me of you know, watching him. He, he's kind of everything you'd want from like checks the box from the prototypical offensive tackle. Uh, he looks like a guy that you know Notre Dame has come out of Notre Dame or Iowa over the last decade. Man, like McGlinchey exactly or somebody like somebody like that. That's exactly who he kind of looks like. McGlinchey, I think, was like two hundred and thirty pounds, two hundred maybe two hundred fifty pounds coming out of high school. But that's that's it's reminiscent of that, you know. So there, are some of the things you still see with McGlinchey, right? Where you're like, hey, you know, you've got to play at better pad level at times. You see that out of him a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, the next clip you'll watch him and he gets his butt down. You know, plays with great pad level. So it's not a a cant. I think it's just a, a kid that's six foot eight, two hundred and sixty pounds, and you know is probably sixteen years old. Uh, you know, again, that just goes to like the development. He's he six foot eight, three hundred and twenty pounds, and extremely lean, and still athletic, and as strong as can be. And he's a high school basketball player there at Rockhurst, so really athletic, moves well, moves naturally. Uh, I think he's got just a just a ton of upside. Again, I've watched him as like. Yeah, so it looks like it's it's McGlinchey or, or you know one of those guys. And I thought it was interesting that OU just offered him, and then they quickly got him on campus because you know OU's offers to Anderson and uh, well Pose obviously the sort of the longest tenure offer. OU offered Max Anderson, um, I think back in December or November, but they just offered Sprague. So to quickly get him back on campus and to build upon that momentum. I thought was hopefully encouraging for OU in their ability to sign Sprague. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I thought the exact same thing when you when you see an offer go out uh, and then boom, he's there with that group. Uh, you know, in Oklahoma, who was the kid like a long time ago? They signed the tight end out of Rockhurst. I think that had a back problem, and they 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 kind of yeah you know, uh, yeah. I remember, yeah, that's the last Rockhurst player I remember. I'm trying to remember his name. Yeah, but yeah, he had uh, a he 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 injured he injured out. He wasn't he injured out. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but that's I mean that's an area I think we talked about this a bunch, right? It's an area you want Oklahoma to win. You know, it's it is Williams Noary, it is PJ Adabore. It's it's these guys come out of the Kansas City area. I think it's one of the great parts about Brent being back in is is he loves that area. I think loves the high school coaches there, great relationships. So uh, and yeah, seeing him show up that that day was was I thought massive because it gives you. Oh, it's false positive. That would be Dan Tapco for those playing the, the playing the trivia um, uh, 360 podcast uh, bingo edition of the game. There's got to be uh, someone Dan, there that knew. Dan Tapco. Um, but, yeah, I think, again, yeah, exactly. You're so right. I mean, they had uh, Jay Sean Ross was on campus this weekend, the defensive end from, uh, from, the, from the Missouri, Kansas City area, Jaden Riddell, same thing. Oh, yeah the tight end from Missouri. So uh, it was very nice that you had sort of those kids all there together uh, at that weekend, hopefully making some connections, uh, talking about driving down for games together. So it's, it, it, it was a really good to see three local guys, three local offensive linemen who all look like takes on campus. And then we have the guy from Massachusetts. <laughs> who's probably he's my favorite one of the bunch he, he looked great he looked great in that 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 on that photo he looked he, he's listed like six four two seven, and i'm like there's no way he's six four two seven. he looks much bigger than that yeah i mean that's again where i think spread definitely threw me for a loop a little bit uh because he's he's big you know he, he that was funny was, i'll tell the i'll tell i'm gonna give a demarco story uh, uh, Damien, sorry, Damien's story away on this on this pod. I know he has his own pod for his stories, but we showed Damien the photo of the offensive lineman, and he was like, "Oh man, those guys look terrible. They look they 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 look they all look really small." And we're like, "Damien, the tall one's six eight. And he's like, "Oh, take every one of those guys then, <laughs> um, right? Yeah." And um, and I, Liam Andrews, I, I was surprised he visited. I mean, that says a lot. You're flying in from Massachusetts. You're not driving. You're flying in for a junior day event. This is just the same thing that Derek LeBlanc did and some of the other guys, uh, Makari Vickers, some of the outer region guys did last year that would always, you know, twitch my recruiting radar. Um, when a guy makes that much level of effort, both financial and and travel effort, it just it just tweaks you a little bit that 
yeah, they're really interested in OU. So what do you think of Andrews on film? Oh man, I, I love his film uh, for all lots of reasons. I'm I'm really interested. I know someone mentioned in one of our one of either maybe it was on the board, uh, maybe it was in the chat. They said that Andrews has, had been down multiple times since he'd been offered. You know that he'd come down. I think for some unofficials uh, to some games. I, I really want to get like that verified because yeah, he's I mean, the comp I had for like a high end is is Taylor Lewan. Um, I think like that highly of, I remember LeJuan coming out and the same thing. I remember looking at his film. He came out of some high school in Arizona, if I'm not mistaken. And he was, I remember watching him and he was a two-star or a three-star. And then I think he finally got bumped to maybe a four, you know, he's getting signed by Michigan and watching him and thinking like, I'm not like crazy because this kid, you know, I know he's going to be 290 to 300 pounds. He's maybe 260 right now, but it's just, you know, when he's, two years older and all he does is eat and lift weights. It's natural. Uh, and Liam Andrews is that same way. Like he's, he's really fluid, uh, athletic, got a lot of pop and snap through his hips. You see him play defensive tackle. He could fit a defensive tackle if they, you know, I know he likes defensive tackle. If it got down to it, they said, yeah, you know, I'd rather play defensive tackle. I'd, have zero doubt that he could play, you know, defensive tackle and be a good one because he's just, he's that athletic. He's that explosive. He's that, you know, that type of athlete. Uh, but at the same time, if he, if he decides like, nah, I'd rather see if I can't go be a top 10, top 15 pick in the NFL draft. I think the the ceilings there, I'm not saying he would be, or, you know, is destined to be that, but just from like, Hey, you check the box, you have the tools, you've got, you know, the ability to go do that. Uh, you know, I think he's, he's, he's that level of, uh, of prospect. I, that's how much I think, uh, that's how much I think of him. Well, yeah, I just he- watched a couple of his, Sorry, I just watched a couple of his clips real quick. And you're right. He's playing defensive end in the first four clips. And, and athletic, he's, he looks, defensive end. He's, he's athletic. He looks pretty good. But obviously, OU, you know, putting him into a group with three other offensive linemen seems pretty committed to recruiting you at O-line. And I think that's a player to track. And I just think overall, <clears throat> you know, this many offers early, visiting. Bill's made a couple more offers recently at offensive line. He's got a good group of he's I think he's getting to his he's getting to about a 10 to 11 group of prospects, which I think he's going to try and drive and push for verbals towards. So I think he's in a good place. I think if you have to grade his homework. I think his homework, he's got like an A grade so far on his class. He's yeah, he's doing some good work right now. No, I couldn't agree more to your to the, kind of the question you had on the wide receiver group. Right. And uh, if, if you told me like, Hey, we're going to sign these four and then, you know, another one uh, from wherever it might be, but they'll sign these four. I, I would say it's as good as an offensive line class as Oklahoma signed since 2020. And it may be better than that one, because I think from an interior perspective, I think that, you know, Poe's got, he's got really, really good, uh, really high upside, particularly I think for what Oklahoma wants to do offensively along the offensive line. And Chris, I'll just make one more point before we get to our next topic. Uh, that was Liam's, I believe, second full visit like that out of his own pocket all the way from Massachusetts to make it to Norman. Uh, that seems like a huge step to do once to do it twice in, you know, what, six or seven months. I think he was here in June. Um, you know, that, that speaks volumes and I immediately had him on, you know, hot on my board. Yeah. As I, as I mentioned before, you know, the guys that did that last year were LeBlanc Vickers. Um, there was the offensive lineman that we didn't get that ended up signing with Texas, but he's kind of moved into the super heavyweight category. So I'm kind of fine with that. Kirkland. Um, yeah. But the guys that, you know, out of, out of area guys that make the financial investment to come two or three times, um, it's, it's always kind of trips your radar. That's why the Reuben Bain thing was kind of so, uh, was so weird last year was we knew he was going to Miami. His brother was there, but he kept, he kept making the financial investment to come to OU. So it was, it was kind of strange. Like he kept, you know, like my radar kept saying, dump this, not a prospect. He's going to Miami. And he keeps showing up in Norman on, on his own dime. So it was like, you know, it's sort of like the dumb and dumber thing. 
So you're telling me we have a chance, you know, it's, <laughs> um, but you know, you just know in the back of your head that his brother coaches at Miami, he's going to Miami. So um, I haven't heard of anything on Andrews like that. So it's time to dig in a little bit with him and get a little more serious about maybe his background and who, who, who are the competitors? Cause I did see you know, I think Ohio state offered yesterday. Well, but if OU's got two visits in, you know, Bill, Bill has a hard time catching folks in recruiting, but once he's in, he, he, he tends to get the kids he wants. So him to be this far ahead, so to speak, I think is a good sign. Well, I know Caleb's got his fingers crossed just like I do. Um, a couple guys, uh, you know, we've mentioned a lot of recruits now. Um, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, Chris, no verbals yet. Um, but we're not too worried, uh, out of these visitors, you know, there might be some defensive guys coming up who could be committing. Uh, can you go over a couple guys that, uh, we should maybe expect to pencil into this class? Well, right now there seems to be a lot of momentum that, that Nigel Smith, who's been on campus a bunch of times from the top 50 defensive end from Melissa, Texas. Uh, he was on campus again. He's already visited other a bunch of, sorry, a couple other places in January. He was at Oregon the week before. So he, and he's been to other places a bunch last fall. So he may be in a position where he can honestly tell coach Venables, you know, I, I've seen everywhere. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be a sooner. I don't need any more visits. So I think Nigel Smith is the first one. And Caleb, I, I think that would be the first sort of big boom for this class. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, to your point, what, I mean, Nigel Smith, I think in some, some, some rankings, he's a what top 60, top 70 player in the country. Um, he's like 35 he's, and once, well, 35 and one, okay. rank. he's getting very, okay. very close to like, he's getting closer to five star than he is away from five star. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, you know, I need to look back and see the two, uh, he's probably not quite as big as the two defensive tackles, or I guess it was actually defensive ends, defensive tackles. Uh, one was Armstead who's play, still playing for the 49ers. Uh, and I forget the other one's name that played at Oregon, but he's, in that to me, he's in that mold. I think, you know, he's every bit of six foot five, maybe a little bit plus, uh, 270 pounds right now, lean, like doesn't carry bad weight. Right. He's just, uh, I, I suppose in a lot of ways, he's what Oklahoma has not been able to recruit the last decade along the defensive line. When you would watch the, you know, uh, Under Armour game, or you'd watch the opening, or any of these like really big uh, recruit showcases, and you would see some of the defensive linemen that were going to SEC schools trot out, and they looked like kids that had been in Oklahoma for two years, and they were seniors in high school. And you're like, oh, okay, they're a little bit different. Uh, Nigel Smith is that. You know, I mean, he's again junior in high school, 6'5", 270, 275 pounds, lean, athletic, can run. I think he'll be a guy that you know kick inside and play at the at three technique, uh, or when Oklahoma is in an odd look, you play. He's got the athletic ability to play. You know that edge, and not only the athletic ability, but the size, and you know, and I guess you could argue almost a prototypical. Uh, three, four end uh, in some ways, but I, you know, Oklahoma wants athletic interior defenders that can be disruptive and play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. And to me, you know, that's, that's what uh, Nigel Smith, he, he fits that bill. So uh, Matt, another defender I think is, 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 is getting into the range of maybe making a commitment. You're seeing some, some forecasts and crystal balls going in is Aaron flowers. He's a DB from the Forney area which we're also calling, so Melissa is, is, we're calling it the larger DFW area. Forney fits that mold as well. He's a top 200 DB. He's around 6'1", 185. Could be a safety, could be a cornerback. He's very athletic. Uh, Caleb, do you like him on film as well? Yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's a, he checks the box. And I think we talked about 
this on the uh, December signing day, you know, of like, what's the one thing you notice about all the guys that Oklahoma just keeps signing under uh, Venables or whether I take that back and not just signing, but the guys they're offering, like what's different, you know, I think Barry often comments that, Hey, these guys run better in a close space and distance. They constrict that far better than what we saw out of, you know, the previous staff as they were, as it related to recruiting defensive players. Uh, but the first thing I noticed is just how physical they all are. And you see that with, with flowers. I mean, pure point, he's six foot, six, one hundred eighty five pounds, well built kind of reminds me of, if you guys remember Armani Watts uh, played, Safety for Texas A&M. I think he's yeah. the Colts now, drafted by the Chiefs. He's out of forming. They look really similar. I mean, eerily similar uh, from a high school perspective. You know, both, I mean, real physical, just uh, a fantastically good football player. It's one of those guys that it looks like it, you know, uh, all around. Uh, it, it's whether it's coming up. And, and tackling or to your point, you know, is getting asked to cover a slot or a tight end. He's really comfortable doing all those things. So, I mean, it's, uh, it'd be one of the better safety prospects that Oklahoma had signed. I think if we hadn't signed Bowen last year, but he would probably be super pumped to the thought of flowers being a sooner. And then another DB. And if he falls as well, right quickly, we may see some, some mad scramble in the whole DB world. Is um he was on campus as well as Xavier. I'm gonna say Phil Samey, uh, as his name. He's from McKinney, and uh, which again, DFW area, he's top 100 player composite. So again, 6'1, 6'2, 180, 185, and he's he's got some serious speed and he's got the track times to back it up. Caleb, have you had a chance? Uh, I know that's a new name I kind of sprung on you. Have you had a chance to look at Xavier yet? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll fall. I'll, I'll go ahead and fall on the sword there a little bit. Prior to this, I hadn't. I had like really by me. Uh, probably had been looking at more portal and and just hadn't dug in that much. And then you know when you mentioned him, I took a look and uh, I <laughs> I didn't realize that he was ranked like 69th in the country because one of the notes I wrote down was like probably one of the most underrated kids. In, in, in the secondary in this class, because it's not a name you hear everybody talking about. Uh, but yeah, I mean, my God, the first questions I had is like, he's that, he looks every bit of six foot one. And I think he's probably heavier than 180 pounds because he's got a really good looking frame, uh, you know, retain lean mass really well. And the first thing I thought was like, why is a kid that runs 10 5 playing safety? Uh, I mean, it's, He's a really good football player is what I would bet. And McKinney figured out like, Hey, he's at safety. He can impact every play. If we put him a corner, we'll go away from him. Right. Uh, he's, he's, he's really that good. You see everything you'd want, right? Center field, uh, deep half player, him covering a slot, him flying up, making plays. Uh, he, I mean, I, it's really surprising. And, uh, uh, maybe things just have moved so fast in the last year from the time Brent got hired to now. Uh, and there was such a, you know, push. I mean, a lot happened, right? He went six and seven, uh, signed a top four class. That it's crazy to think that you might be looking at the possibility that Oklahoma could sign Flowers and uh, Fulsami as a, as a safety tandem. And, you know, would they be almost even taken for granted, both being potential, you know, top one a top 70 player in the country, another top 150. Uh, it's it's the level of defender that Oklahoma is on consistently right now is is shocking when you compare it to, well, let's just compare it to where the transfers are landing. You know, you see the kids leaving the program and they're landing at one double A or division two or not landing anywhere. And, you know, then you fast forward and Oklahoma's potentially signing that level of kids. It's it's uh it's quick turnaround. So, Ben, there's there's two other names that are both offensive side of the balls that I think OU fans should be keeping an eye out. Um, we've gone over them in depth already on this uh podcast, so we won't repeat too much about it. It's it's Caden Durham and Brian Wesco. I think Durham might 
might get the first chair in the in the in the game of uh, who gets who gets a, who's going to get left behind in terms of running back spots. I think Caden Durham might get the first spot, and I think Bryant Wesco is maybe maybe might be the first wide receiver to pull. And if those five names were accurate, that would be five guys from the DFW area. So we've been talking about, oh, you trying to make that a focus. Uh, they definitely made it a focus in players who came to visit over the weekend. And I think they've made some some serious push with at least uh, with at least those five kids. I could have listed off another five more if I wanted to, but that, that's five names for for OU fans to 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 think about. Well, you've mentioned Dallas. Uh, we've talked about it a lot recently. I think we're going to be talking about it a lot going forward. Uh, Jay Valai. Now you have Emmett Jones. Uh, Lebby seems to be doing great in the DFW area. Uh, so, you know, if we can kind of make this a, a stronghold that we think it could be, there's your new home base going into the SEC. I know we've talked about it a couple times on the podcast, but, you know, you can't reiterate this enough, how big of an impact locking down. And now there's so many prospects in Dallas, you're not going to lock it down. But having that stronghold in the DFW area with guys like Nigel Smith, uh, Caden Durham, uh, you know, Aaron Flowers, Filosame, all those guys, they all know each other. So you can't uh, discount that either. They're knowing the guys that are getting to campus now. It's creating a little bit of culture on on uh, for the benefit of OU as well. So going forward in this class, you know, there's five guys, Chris, that you think could be committing soon or at least might be in your prediction, which is coming up on the board. Um, what's next for this 2024 class calendar-wise? So February is a dead period. No contact in person, off campus, on campus. It's designed to give the coaches a break. I don't know that's really actually going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if some OU coaches didn't didn't take advantage of this and and uh, took a took a small vacation here or there. They've certainly been putting out a lot of offers that I'm not sure. February last year was full of offers. OU's been putting out so many offers. I can't imagine February is going to have that volume again. So March 1st, everything kicks off again. OU's targeting March 4th to be their big junior day number two. It's going to have more of a, maybe a national prospect focus. Um, We might see some big national names coming in for for that weekend. OU, I think, timing that uh, to give give some folks um, a chance to maybe get their travel plans coordinated a little better than the the January day. So the rest of March – um, kids will probably show up in an ad hoc fashion for um, repeat interactions with the OU staff, relationship building, you know, especially for kids who've already visited for a, a junior day. OU doesn't, OU doesn't feel the need to quite handhold them as much and just sort of lets them get comfortable with the players, the staff, and, and you know, Norman itself. And then April 1st, official visits can start. Uh, in theory, OU could start hosting kids that first weekend, but I think they'll hold off for any official visits for the spring game. Anybody who's going to wants to take an official visit, think OU will ask them to come in for the spring day. And I'd imagine the spring game, uh, sorry, spring game, not spring day, spring game will also be another big junior event, and they'll try and get as many unofficial kids on campus that day as well. Well, the next month or two could really, uh, you know, we could really see this class starting to take shape, which is a far cry from 2023 when, you know, it really wasn't until July that we really started to get a sense of what this class is going to look like. But if some of these guys at, you know, these these premium positions where numbers are tight start jumping on board, you know, by the spring game, we could have a couple commits have some buzz, get some of those official visitors in all together, bonding some more, bonding with the team, bonding with the coaches, bonding with each other. You know, I I don't see this class ending up, you know, outside of the top five, six, 
and it could push this class from 2023 even without the five-star quarterback. Uh, Caleb, where do you see this class kind of finishing if you were, you know, gun to your head February 1st? Oh, boy. That's a tough one. Glad you didn't ask me that. No, it is a tough one. You're next, Chris. Well, I've got the classes pulled up right now, Uh, not composite. Uh, I should pull up the composite. I've I've got, like, rivals is pulled up and looking at – uh, I don't know. I just I was I pulled it up because I thought it was funny, and I was going to end on a joke that uh, for all the talk of going out and building the mecca and the greatest roster of all time, uh, like T. Riley signed the eleventh ranked class in the country uh, this year, this signing class, you know. Uh, which again, I just thought it was kind of funny. I don't know. I would say, I mean, top five, right? So I look at like maybe what you look at LSU example, like a top five class from this year, at least according to rivals, they were a spot in front of Oklahoma, uh, only signed one five-star, uh, but they signed 18, 18 of the kids were four stars. And that's honestly what I, when I look at this class, there's not very going to be, I, I, the kids that are even three stars or two stars or not two stars, but no stars, right? Like Caden Durham, like him being not ranked is uh, a level of incompetence that I would at least 10 years ago would have been surprising. Now it's just like par for the course, Uh, you know, probably didn't go to X camp. Right. Uh, And his name wasn't Manning. So he wasn't rated as a number one player in the country. Uh, But I just don't see if you told me Oklahoma signed two, or three, three stars, and every other kid was a four or five star or a four star, I'd say, okay, yeah, probably. Because that's like, this class just looks impressively like it can be pretty deep. Uh, at, at what Chris mentioned there, we start really breaking it out. It's last year, there was risk and you looked at certain positions because the defensive line talent in and around Oklahoma and Texas was not good. And so you knew, okay, for Oklahoma to you know, sign a defense line class. They're going to have to go to Florida. They're going to have to go to Georgia. They're going to have to go to Alabama uh, or Arkansas or Louisiana, Arkansas, but Louisiana. And like, that's not, you're not going to win a lot of those going head to head with uh, Georgia, you know, uh, for a defensive tackle that's 150 miles from, you know, Athens. Uh, this class is different. And uh, yeah, I, I, if they didn't sign a kid that, you know, if they signed two, Kids that were three stars, I uh, wouldn't be shocked. It, it's it looks like it's got the potential to be just that that quality of a class. So yeah, I would still I'll actually say they're going to be four again next year. Chris, we know your your prediction for the month of February is going to be up on the board soon. But do you want to preview that a little bit and kind of guess? You know, are, are you going to agree with Caleb? Maybe around that four range. Well, Caleb actually stole one of my um, my points about that which is, let me pull up the class here. Yep. Um, he just basically stole my point because my, my class prediction right now has one unranked player and one three-star player. And, and, I, and, I, and, and I'm not like, re- I'm not, this is not like some hopium thing here. The guys on my list are all pretty much our, our, our striking range for OU. I, I guess I would say, it's going to come down to uh, it's going to come down to David Stone and maybe Williams uh, Wenneri, right? Do they get both of those guys? Because they get both yeah. of those guys, and then they hit across the board this four-star group that's in the top two hundred, like like they currently have. Then it's it's a top five class. No five-star quarterback will might will hurt a little bit, but if they get a couple of five-star D line. And then the rest of the class is just that deep and rich of, of talent. And, and, you know, it just, it just looks like it's going to be, they've just got too many offers and too many kids interested at each position. I mean, you know, the wide receiver group, you know, the only other names we could add are, are also sort of in the top 200 group, you know, or maybe, maybe Emmett Jones pulls off some magic and he brings in Micah Hudson um, or Draylon Miller. I think Miller's not that interested in OU. Um, but we'll see, or he, he reaches out nationally and gets somebody, somebody else. So it's, it's interesting to see, cause they, cause they could actually, the O-line class could actually bring more point value 
because last year uh, Ozetta, Bates, and and Howland, especially Howland, were were pretty underranked. Yeah, so you, could, you know, <clears throat> look at the composite right in like Ohio State actually probably the better comp. When you look at composite, they signed twenty kids, only one five star, but eighteen four stars, and then one three star, and they were just yeah. uh, yeah, they were just I mean, my God, they were you know two tenths of a point behind Oklahoma. Oklahoma signed 26 more kids. Uh, yeah, to your point, Chris, I I don't know. Obviously, rankings are a funny deal, and they haven't gone to camps yet, which massively overrated. Uh, I never see anybody put pads on or actually do anything that's really done in a, in a game there. But uh, regardless, like some kids could maybe fall or whatever that might be, but it just looks like uh, an extremely – We've got the, the potential to do something pretty special in the looks of it. If they did back-to-back top four classes. Yeah. I mean, Michael Hawkins could go to some camp sessions. He could go to elite. He could get a, he could be an elite 11 quarterback, go to elite 11. He looks taller. He looks bigger. Um, I think he's actually um, from over year over year. I think he's actually a bigger, he's a bigger, he looks like a bigger athlete. So, I mean, Michael Hawkins could go to elite 11, blow it all up have a great senior season and, and instead of being 225 he could jump into the top 100 so there's some changes that will occur with the guys we're looking at but i think overall um it would be it'll be interesting to see how far um how cuz oh you had nine according to the composite oh you had nine three stars last year and that just that increased by one because of uh Taylor Hain uh today so you know, to to Caleb's point, you know, I think that that could be OU. If, if OU signed twenty five kids, you know, I think two five stars, twenty four stars, and maybe three three stars is the mix we're kind of looking at. And this is a a topic for another day, but we saw the schedule come out. You know, OU starts winning some games in the fall. You know, that could really impact how this class finishes out for some of these guys that might still be wavering or not sure on the direction OU's taking. But, you know, we saw that schedule. And if, if OU could win 10 games, push 11 games, maybe push into that playoff conversation, not necessarily make it, but if you're in the conversation one year after going six and seven, I think uh, the recruiting trail is going to be a little bit easier for you to close out. And we'll close out this episode with that point. Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, we are on all platforms, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, etc. Hit the subscribe button. Uh, Also check out the board. Uh, Most info we go over in these podcasts is just uh, mostly uh, well-known news. You know, we're not divulging too much uh, breaking news or anything like that. So for a lot more background on some of these guys like Nigel Smith, uh, some more breakdowns on their tape on how they could fit in this defense, check out the board Sooners360.com. We've got a lot of fun stuff coming up here in the off season to bring you guys to the spring game. So we will see you on the board And we will see y'all next week for the next episode of the Sooners 360 Recruiting Recruiting Podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.